Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you in part by Growmark FS. For over 95 years, we've led the game. Power, we restored it. Protection, we reinvented it. Record yields, we redefined it. If there's one thing we know at FS, it's that just because something hasn't been done doesn't mean it can't be done. We're never satisfied unless we take your farming operation to the next level. Run your equipment at peak efficiency and bust the bins this season. Visit fssystem.com. The views and opinions of this program are those of the host, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Well, soybeans and cattle had a good day to the upside on Monday with quarter wheat finding a little bit of moderate pressure to start off the week. We're going to talk about all that and more here today on Market Talk. Thanks for joining us on the program. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Great to have you along for the conversation as always. A lot of traders uh, seemingly already out of the markets here ahead of the Christmas holiday. A lot of traders tend to get out of uh, positions the final two weeks of the year and wait to reassess once the calendar flips over to 2024. But no doubt there's still a few things swirling around these markets. We're going to talk about things heading towards the end of the year. John Heimberg with Total Farm Marketing will join us here on the program to discuss and provide market analysis later on in the show. Probably be the last time we talk to John here before the end of the year with uh, the holidays coming up. So looking forward to that discussion here in just a little bit. Also, we'll have a look at the weather forecast heading towards Christmas and the end of the year, not only here in the U.S., maybe uh, some impacts to holiday travel potentially on the horizon. We're going to learn more about that, but also talk about the latest in South America. A lot of traders closely watching the weather in Brazil and Argentina. Eric Snodgrass with Nutrient Ag Solutions will join us coming up in segment two for a conversation about the weather coming up here on today's Market Talk. So, Good stuff. A lot to get to here on the program today. Let's kick things off, though, and get a few comments on the market action from Monday with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at Stone X. I talked to Arlen around midday, got his thoughts on some of the quietness and the holiday malaise that's already settling into these markets. He talks about soybeans getting a little bit of strength on the day Monday. We touch on a decent day in cattle, and we also discuss crude oil in the energy market. We're watching some things over on that side of the ledger as well. Here are those comments with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX, starting with the holiday malaise, for the most part, in the grain trade. Corn and wheat is really lacking a story to provide support at this point. We got the bump after the uh, Federal Reserve meeting, but now the uh, Fed members seem to be coming out and saying, oh, wait a minute, you misinterpreted us and uh, we're not, we may not be done uh, with our quantitative tightening and our rates being holding up at this level for a while. So a uh, little bit of, uh, uh, of perhaps sobering reality there for the commodities who had hoped that we'd have a change in sentiment following that meeting to, uh, and finally get away from this uh, commodity deflation story we've been in over the last 20, 21 months or so. Uh, soybeans, uh, we've, we've traded both sides of unchanged and it's largely been trying to maintain some weather premium until we learn more about anticipated rains coming in the last half of this week into early next week. And 
whether they're truly going to happen this time, are they truly going to provide the relief we need, or are they going to leave us wanting once again? We're in the critical pod fill stage for the earlier soybeans right now, so this is a critical time for them in determining what our production is going to be in center west Brazil, where it's been so, uh, so dry and, and hot actually as well. But not enough evidence to suggest a sustained rally at this point. So even though we've seen strength in soy mill where demand remains good, we've seen a bounce in soy oil prices. Soybeans themselves have really struggled to try to sustain any bounce until we know more about actual losses in Brazil. On the cattle side, I mentioned a decent day there Monday. It looks like traders are attacking the market with a little vigor, but we do have a cattle on feed report coming up at the end of the week, Arlen. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, as we look at last week's data, we did see cash trade generally a little bit weaker, but not as weak as what maybe we feared it might be. And so that's the good news in the Southern Plains, mostly around the $170 down 50 cents to a dollar versus the prior week. But when we look at the slaughter totals last week, 649,000 head, that was the top of, uh, on the top end of estimates and several plants added Saturday kills as well. That's up about from about 635,000 the prior week and 622,000 same week last year. Then if you add in the heavier carcass weights we have right now, record carcass weights of late, weekly beef production of 547 million pounds was up 5.7% from the same week last year and actually our largest beef production week of the year. So that's actually encouraging to the markets because it means maybe we're going to finally move through this uh, near-term push of product and numbers uh, uh, and uh, kind of improve our situation down the road. So we're seeing some strength come back to the cattle market on ideas that maybe we finally hit the bottom in this market. Crude oil has been up around 2% on the day as well on Monday. Any thoughts for you in that energy sector here as we kind of watch that market head towards the end of the year? Iranian-backed Houthis have been hitting civilian ships or targeting them anyway in the Red Sea. The Red Sea is where ships that are either heading to the Suez Canal or coming from the Suez Canal are moving freight. And a large portion of our world's uh, freight moves through the Suez Canal, particularly in trade between Europe and China. And now we're seeing, because of the Panama Canal water levels being so low, we're seeing uh, most of the grain going from the Gulf Coast here in the United States to our key Southeast Asian markets moving through that area. Well, the Iranian-backed Houthis have been targeting these ships, and so container ship freight ships have been saying, we're not going to go there. We're going to go around the southern end of Africa, increasing the costs and the delays, and that is also affecting energy prices. That's why we're seeing energy go up, because energy ships, crude oil ships, have also now started to become a target. The question is, will that also start affecting grain ships? that are going through there because of the Panama Canal um, not being an option for them now. And so that's what the grain markets are watching, not really reacting to it at this point, except maybe the soybeans a little bit. But it's something to keep an eye on, what happens insurance rates on those grain ships. And once again, that is Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX, joining us for Midday Commentary on Monday. USDA on Monday announced that ag producers can now enroll in the Farm Service Agency's agriculture risk coverage and price loss coverage programs for the 2024 crop year. Producers can enroll and make election changes for the 2024 crop year starting now through March 15th. That is the deadline. Now, back in November, of course, President Biden signed a continuing resolution that 
gave us a one-year extension of the 2018 Farm Bill, and that extension allows authorized programs, including ARC and PLC, to continue operating. Now, producers can elect coverage and enroll in ARC County or PLC, which provide crop-by-crop protection, or ARC Individual, which protects the entire farm. Although election changes for 2024 are optional, producers must enroll through a signed contract each year. Also, if a producer has a multi-year contract on the farm, it will continue for 2024 unless an election change is made. If producers do not submit their election revision by March 15th, the election remains the same as their 2023 election for commodities on the farm. If you have questions, contact your local Farm Service Agency office for more information. But the enrollment period is now open for ARC and PLC programs for the 2024 crop year. All right, on the way next here on Market Talk, we are going to take a look at what is on the horizon for the weather forecast here this week ahead in the U.S., maybe a potential uh, weather maker around Christmas. We're going to talk about that and look at South America weather with Eric Stoggrass from Nutrient Ag Solutions. He joins us next here on Market Talk. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. The market news and analysis you need here on Market Talk. Now back to Jesse Allen. Well, how are things looking on the weather forecasts for South America here as we head towards the end of the year? A lot of eyes are on Brazil, of course, right now and the rainfall pattern. Also, what about the U.S.? We're going to see a white Christmas. We're going to talk about those things and more here today as we are joined by Eric Stodgrass, Principal Atmospheric Scientist with Nutrient Ag Solutions. Eric, good to catch up with you again. Merry Christmas to you and yours. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what we are seeing in South America. I think we need to start there. I know it was uh, fairly hot and dry over this past weekend, but as we're flipping that calendar or getting ready to flip that calendar towards January, working through Christmas, uh, talk about what you're seeing with the latest weather models in Brazil and Argentina. Yeah, so Argentina uh, saw some pretty nasty weather over the weekend. There was an outbreak of some pretty severe storms that rolled through parts of central Argentina, putting down heavy rainfall, massive hail, some straight line wind damage. But the reality of it is, is that unlike the last two years, Argentina has got rain this this spring. And remember, their their planting season's very long, and so here they are looking at all of this decent spring rainfall, and it's it's going to help Argentina not do what they did a year ago, which was to end up with, you know, about half of their normal crop. So there's a lot of just discussion. How do we balance that out with the fact that North Central and kind of the center West region in Brazil has been so very dry? You look over the last two to three months, you know, we're talking about very, very dry conditions. I've actually made a graph last week that showed that October, November combined uh, were the second driest since 1940 with only 1942 as the drier year for October and November. And then of course, December has started off dry as well. But you know, what, what matters, I mean, it's not to say this doesn't matter because it got really hot, but if rains come back at the end of this month and it rains in, in January, then 
a lot of those problems can be undone for some of the replanted crop or the later planted soybeans. And so we've watched the models trend away from what they've been doing for the last two weeks, which was to go very, very dry. European models said, you know, we're just going to leave one small corner of Mato Grosso, Tocantins, and Pada dry, and the rest of it's going to see closer to normal rains. And even the GFS, which paints a much bigger section of, of Mato Grosso dry, um, you know, it's calling for precipitation chances to be off by about two inches. Well, when normal is four inches, if you get storms that roll through, I mean, you might get enough. So it's a bit of a wild card. And we've not seen market reaction like anyone would expect, given the stats I just gave you, like the second driest since 1940. Mm. Um, and so we, we, we're watching it carefully, but I'll say this, the models, all, all of them trended a bit wetter over the weekend. Uh, and uh, so the question is, will it actually manifest itself in some sort of meaningful rains to stop the bleeding for the crop there? We could see a pretty terrible, you know, I say terrible, meaning not in the most favorable direction for a lot of U.S. farmers uh, reaction in the markets if the rains do come in. What is true, though, we cannot ignore this, is that the crop has been compromised and the crop calendar has been moved. Mm. So this really puts stress on the Safrina planting progress because the harvested soybeans, they're going to come out late. We know they're going to be coming out late in some areas. And then let's 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 paint a. I don't know, people aren't really talking about this, but what if, what if instead of ah, going back over dry, that we get into January and it goes over crazy wet across the northern tier of the growing areas? That could happen. Now, all of a sudden, you're talking about, shoot, we, we may be into a discussion where the rains are, are hampering harvest, pushing the crop counter even further down the road. So I talked to some of my guys in Brazil. Sorry, I'm going on along about this. You're uh, good. Talking, talking to my guys in Brazil last week. And you know what they're worried about? They're not so worried about the damage that's been done. They're worried about the potential problems that's going to happen with the late harvest should it get really wet. And then they want to know what's going to happen with the Safrina crop, which we know has already seen acreage reduction. And there's concern about what the size of it will be. So uh, what's the note for U.S. markets? I think it's wait and see. But um, I still think that the weather's playing a major role in South America that we can't ignore right now. I think it's just uh, to echo your points here, Eric, I think it's going to be something where a lot of folks want to keep a close eye on South American weather through the holidays as we flip that calendar over to January, because uh, by the sound of it, we got some hurdles to really get through that could have big impacts uh, both here, you know, as you alluded to on the markets, but also just with that crop in general and supplies, et cetera, et cetera. So I think paying close attention to the updated forecast for the next couple of weeks is going to be pretty key, isn't it? Yeah, I, I do think that as well. And to be honest with you, I don't know how it all works with the markets and the behavior, but if it's anything like nearly every other industry, it's kind of like, can we just get through the holidays and then January, get, go, 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 go. And that might be the case, right? It may all of a sudden just, this becomes a much bigger story now that the calendar's flipped and we're in a new year. Very, very true. Well, let's go up to the U.S. Let's talk about things. Obviously, we don't have a crop in the ground really right now. Uh, well, we do in a few spots, but overall, things are, are pretty quiet for U.S. farmers here. And uh, with the Christmas holiday coming up, there might be a lot of traveling, et cetera. 
How's the weather look in the U.S. here for this week ahead and as we get to the Christmas holiday, Eric? Well, we got a pretty massive nor'easter running up the East Coast. And I'll tell you something, had this had some cold air in it, we'd be talking about blizzard up the East Coast, but we don't have that. It's all rain. In fact, parts of South Carolina yesterday picked up some places six to 10 inches of rainfall. You may have seen some of the flooding in the news uh, yesterday. But it's what's on the backside of this that's got me intrigued. Now, it's going to be a big flood event for New England, but we're going to see some snow squalls coming out through the eastern Great Lakes, the eastern Corn Belt. So this is where you have convective clouds, like thunderstorm-type clouds, that are dropping down snow at an incredible rate. Now, if you're in the midsection of the country, you got to wait till around or just after Christmas for the next chance at moisture to come through. But there's a system I'm watching. Um, about a week from now that will be emerging in the southern plains of the United States. It'll make its way toward the Midwest, and it could pack a good punch. I mean, it's a nice look. Meanwhile, Canadian prairie stays dry, but all week this week, California's got a coastal low that's going to slide north to south, delivering rainfall, which is much needed in California. Even though the state is drought-free, they need the moisture. It's the wet season for them, so they need to get some of this moisture in place. And it's going to be that system that then ejects into the central United States about a week from now. By the way, that one could also give some rain to Arizona, where they do have some crops in the ground this time of year. So we'll watch it all carefully, but it's going to be a rapidly evolving pattern to finish out the uh, year. Now, the one thing that I, I can fairly confidently say to you is there's no connection to Arctic air with any of this. So if you mm. get colder air in place, it's temporary. It's not deep. It's not like it's 20, 30 degrees colder than average. And uh, that'll mostly be today across Eastern Corn Belt and then tomorrow over the Southeast. But the mild air, this is crazy, the mild air coming into the Western and High Plains and back into the Northern Plains. We will see temperatures in Montana that will average warmer than the entire states of Alabama and Georgia and South Carolina in the early part of this week. So 50s in Montana, 40s down in the wow. Southeast, but uh, that'll flip around, it'll change. But if there's one spot that's got a cooler risk to finish the month, it's gonna be the Southeast. Subtropical Jet lives there right now. So they just have better chances of some cooler weather, clouds and precip. Central parts of North America, very, very mild, which unfortunately ruins the chances of a widespread white Christmas. Plus the timing of the next system is all wrong. It's coming after Christmas rather than before. Well, I hear all of this and it makes me think about El Nino. And yeah. I guess I'll, I'll ask you a final question here today, Eric. Uh, where is El Nino at? Has it plateaued? Are we looking at this continuing into next year? What's your thoughts? Yeah, it'll continue into next year, probably through um, most of winter, but it has plateaued. We're looking at right now uh, ocean temperatures in the middle of the equatorial Pacific, about a degree and a half above average, which would be, you know, under what we predicted by about a degree. So it's it's still a moderately strong El Nino, but it's not a super El Nino by any stretch. So we have to ask, is the weather we've been having typical of El Nino? Uh, mild December, sure. But you got to remember the trend for the last 70 years is for December to get mild. We've, we've been seeing more back half-weighted winters. And if El Nino begins to crash, that's what we're going to get this year. We're going to get a back half-weighted winter. It's going to come in mid-January through maybe early March, just being pretty active with good shots of cold weather, good link up with maybe the polar vortex, which today is living over Greenland, so it's not even close to us, and uh, could really kind of spark things along. But El Nino is projected to crash to neutral conditions by spring, and then we could be talking about a La Nina for next summer. Now, I say that, I can't just drop that bomb at the end of our broadcast here. I have to tell you something real quick. La Nina's, the first year they come in, are not the scary year. 
Yes, there's risk in the Southern Plains and the Southeast for drought when we have La Niña's that build immediately after El Nino events. But Midwest, Upper Midwest history would tell us that we shouldn't fear the brutally, uh, wet, excuse me, brutally dry conditions we can get with a La Niña. So uh, we'll watch that and you and I will be talking about that all throughout the new year and we'll, uh, we'll certainly have a story going forward. We definitely will have a story going forward. Well, we do appreciate the time as always. Folks can sign up for your weekly newsletter and check out the latest forecast for their area. Ag-WX.com, ag-wx.com. With that, Eric Snodgrass from Nutrien. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you, sir. Thanks for joining us once again this week, and we'll look forward to talking to you in 2024. Yeah, same to you, Jesse. Always appreciate it. Eric Snodgrass there with Nutrient Ag Solutions. All right, coming up next, we'll talk markets with John Heinberg from Total Farm Marketing. Back with more on Market Talk right after this. Your harvest is your most important asset. It's like money in the bank, and you can get everything you need to store and protect it through one source, your FS Grain System Specialist. With any brand of grain system you choose, your specialist will oversee planning and construction to make sure it's done right. And you can count on FS for maintenance too. Contact your local FS company or visit fsgrainsystems.com. It's one more way FS is bringing you what's next. Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now back to Jesse Allen. Well, it was a good day in the soy complex on Monday. Cattle, too, had a pretty decent day, led by the feeder trade, while quarter wheat found a little bit of pressure, felt like largely just uh, didn't have a story to to move the quarter wheat markets to the upside, lacking a bullish scenario there. We're going to talk about the market trade, though. Joining us for analysis, John Heinberg with Total Farm Marketing. John, good to have you on the show again this week, and uh, I know we're racing this thing's close to the uh, Christmas holiday and uh, largely we're kind of in that holiday malaise outside of a, a few different news headlines that kind of jump out at us here and we had a few of those uh, one in particular in the soy complex on the day Monday John yeah we did and then one thing we've been really watching is what's going on with Argentina and as well as this new president that we have in there or the government that's coming into place and you know, last week we had the uh, the valuing of their peso, and that put some pressure on the soybean market in that regard. You know, just begin because again those Argentina beans got cheaper. You know, for the importers to go after, but but then we get a headline later today that you know Argentina's government is now looking at a higher export tax. They want to raise export tax on meal and oil up a couple of percentage points. You know, right now it's thirty three percent for soybean oil and meal, or thirty one. They want to go to thirty three. You know, and that's just uh, the products that they ship out of there. That helped the soybean meal market. That helped the soybean oil market. And obviously, we were already positive anyway, maybe just on some pre-rumors there. You know, and that spilled over into the beans, you know. So that's a front-end type thing. Plus, at the same time, you know, we didn't see any export sales announcement today. Shipments were pretty decent at 1.4 million metric tons. You know, just in our group meeting this morning with us fellow advisors, I kind of talked about, you know, wouldn't be surprised we see some bull spread here, some money moving into the front end. We got that big NOPA crush number last week on Friday. You know, we've seen good shipment number. That means there's going to be some competition for these front end beans and some bid in action probably going into them. And maybe that's some of the strength that we saw as you look at that 
January, March spread, January, May spread today. Saw some real nice movement on the charts, actually kind of breaking those, those spreads out to the upside a little. So maybe we'll get some follow through here. And I wouldn't be surprised because of the news that we saw that maybe we get also an export sale popping in in the next day or so. You know, again, remember, sometimes those occur on, you know, during the day and don't get reported for a couple of days. So so we'll see if the rumor mills brings that into light, too. So uh, there's some good news there for beans today. Nice, solid close right at the top of the range. Mm -hmm. uh, tomorrow, we got a lot of resistance on some moving averages over top. That 1235 to 1240 window seems to be always kind of a catch point. If we got enough momentum to get through there, and you can really see some money flow in this tighter, um, you know, in terms of low volume market here. And that's the thing, a tighter, low volume type of market is, um, you know, we got the holidays in front of us. A lot of traders get out to uh, the last couple of weeks of the year. So you get a, a news headline like this that we saw at Argentina on Monday, and that could definitely give us some some decent pops here. Or if we get a negative headline, it could give us some decent downturns. So one would have to wonder, watch closely some of those resistance levels you mentioned on Tuesday in soybeans and we can break through some of those. I feel like there's some potential here to reward a rally, John. Very much so. And, you know, I fielded a couple calls on that today. And, you know, let's still keep the big picture in play. Now, we don't know where that Brazil crop is going to be. The market really doesn't have a good feel. You see it all on social media. You hear it from different analysts. You got good, you got bad. You know, I did hear some whispers of 145 over the weekend, and that's 20 million metric tons. That's a pretty big drop in that crop. Obviously, those are some whisper numbers. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. You know, again, we've got the balancing act of the Argentina crop, you know, coming back to its full potential pot more than likely absorbing a good portion of that loss. So, you know, so those things are still kind of out there, but does that keep that keeps the export window probably a little more open into the first of the year? And then when we start dealing with those the Brazilian harvest picking up a little more speed and those bushels that are there, as well as the Argentina harvest, you know, then we look at our prices and we can just tell that we're not quite in the camp that they are. So that makes me a little nervous for that March, April, May window. But, uh, you know, the front end here, you know, if the money wants to push this thing, I think some targets up above. If you got some old beans, you don't want to pay storage for, you want to get them moved, you know, or should be probably in place here and reward yourself and then come back and shift that ownership to paper, whether you want to do it out into the summer um, or do it right here in the near term in case that Brazilian crop is really not where it needs to be. You know, take a look at some of those paper strategies and minimize that risk. In terms of the corn market, felt like corn leaked lower with the wheat trade on the day of Monday. We could talk more on, on wheat in a second, but when you look at this corn market, John, largely we've talked about this uh, ad nauseum that those bin doors for the most part probably shut till 2024 hits here in a couple of weeks. And to me, it largely feels like corn is probably just going to drift in these next two weeks. What do you think about this corn market right now? I would say drift sideways to lower, uh, just especially given the action today, unless we got some form of news that pushes it's out there. You know, the funds have kind of shaved back that short position. So maybe they can go ahead and start pushing back into it. Don't forget commitment to traders it's put together on Tuesday. So, you know, we saw the funds tighten up their short position a little bit last week, but then the pressure came in that towards the end of the week as they got back into some of those shorts. You know, there's things that we're watching in the news. Unless we get some type of bullish news, a big export sale, you know, today export inspections at 947,000 tons. 
top end of the range, but still nothing big yet for this time of year. You know, we need to though that window is going to open up after the first of the year. And then you get stories too, though, about Chinese imports, you know, in November, basically 3.5, 3.6 million metric tons of corn got imported. That is a, that was basically a, a record for the month of November and actually one of the largest import volumes they've ever had for a month. Uh, a lot of that coming from Brazil sourcing. You know, this is despite them reporting a record corn crop, you know, and that's disappointing the market because, again, we're counting on the Chinese to step in here and pick up some U.S. corn and maybe they don't need it now. You know, so stories like that come out just kind of keeps the money maybe pushing this market to the downside. You know, today's close, the lowest since the 30th of November, kind of kind of that weak price action opens us up to maybe take some more of this carry out of the market. And that's one thing I'm still looking at was the kind of the big jump in carry when we got got rid of December and into the into the March being the lead month. And you know, maybe this market wants to tighten that up here a little bit. Should we be concerned as producers here? You know, we go through the next couple of weeks ahead, get into the first part of January. Should we be on our toes maybe? I, I guess instead of saying concerned, should we just be prepared for volatility and the potential of a lot of corn maybe flooding the market after the first of the year, John? What do you think? That is a concern from my from on my side of it right now. Just you know, you, you hear what people are kind of talking about, the feel of people who got that that are out there. First, the year gets here. We're going to move some corn. We're going to cover some bills, cover some expenses. Uh, you know, some quite a few producers probably already have a March basis contract. After what happened with the December contracts, maybe they'll jump on those and pull the trigger and get that corn moving. Uh, you know, last year we got we sold off pretty hard the first couple of trading days of the new year. And it very well could be in that same type of situation this year as we just finally see some corn moving. Uh, so I'm a little cautious. I've been staying on the defensive. My intentions are to stay relatively defensive until May. You know, and then when we get the first numbers for 24-25 on that May report, you know, that could be a pretty big number. And then from there, that could be our biggest numbers for the year. You know, we'll see. You know, what's the acre talk going to be? We'll get that in March. You know, right now the demand is still a concern. So we need to see that demand really pick up. And if uh, we don't see that demand or those Chinese purchases do wait till the summer uh, because of the Brazil crop, it's going to be real hard for this corn market to kind of kick in here at all, other than maybe just some grind, uh, you know, bottom to the top of the range and back and forth like we're kind of seeing right now. In terms of the wheat markets, too, uh, moderate pressure across the board on the day Monday, John. I heard some rumors Saudi Arabia is out there in the market looking to buy wheat and you look at SRW, KC, or HRW, excuse me, KC Wheat, uh, kind of felt like the downside leader on the day Monday. Any notes for you in the uh, wheat complex overall, John? I think a big part of it is the fact all of a sudden China's disappeared again. You That's know, true. And that, that brought some premium into the marketplace. That brought some short covering. Now we haven't seen a sale from them. Export inspections were relatively low compared to expectations today towards the bottom end of that range. You know, so immediately we have to sit back and look at where U.S. wheat prices are compared to the world, add in some potential moisture in HRW country coming through here. You know, that weight on that contract down 15 cents or so today. Uh, you know, we had a nice little run and maybe it's just a sign that it might be just over again, probably until proven otherwise. When you get good rallies, they meant to be, need to be sold um, until we really do see some type of fundamental change. You know, we still got to struggle with U.S. competitiveness against the rest of the global wheat prices. And, uh, and that's still going to be something that's against us right now here in the short term. 
And like I said, the Chinese business has kind of disappeared. And realistically, since then, this market's kind of topped out and started to drift some premium back. Well, once again, we're talking with John Heinberg from Total Farm Marketing today. We'll continue our conversation after the break. We'll look at livestock, dairy, and more. A few of the final numbers from Monday. March corn down 6, 477. May corn down 5 and 3 quarters, 489 and a half. January beans up 11 and a quarter, 1327. March beans up 8 and a half, 1340. January bean meal up 720 a ton at 412.80. January bean oil up 65 points, 5064. Chicago wheat March down 12 and a quarter, 617. March Kansas City wheat down 15, 627 to three quarters. March spring wheat down 9 and a quarter, 721 and a half. Over in the livestock trade, December live cattle up 60, 168.82. February up 27, 169.62. April live cattle up 65, 173.50. January feeder cattle 227 higher, 223.17. March feeder cattle up 197, 224.15. February lean hogs 32 lower, 71.57. April down 5, 78.57. May hogs 15 higher, 84.85. We will continue our conversation with John Heinberg from Total Farm Marketing. We'll do that after the break. You're listening to Market Talk. Back with more on the way right after this. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. We are having a conversation here today on Market Talk with John Heinberg from Total Farm Marketing. John, let's move over to the livestock arena. We got a cattle on feed report and a quarterly hogs and pigs report coming up Friday after the close. Interesting timing as we'll head into Christmas and a shortened holiday week next week before we can really digest those numbers. One has to wonder if the trade could uh, possibly set themselves up like we typically do and trade ahead of those reports here this week. And in terms of cattle, feeders had a pretty strong day on Monday to start off the week. So your thoughts on those reports coming up and, and the potential outlook in this uh, livestock trade overall this week, John? Yeah, we got a good chance. So you've seen some of the prelim numbers that those placement numbers start getting back to the negative side. Um, you know, again, in terms of the cattle on feed reports, we've saw two months of really strong placements, probably pulling some cattle forward, getting them off pasture due to dry conditions or cheaper. You know, the lot had room and corn prices got something cheaper so they could go ahead and bring those cattle in. A lot of it was imported cattle from Canada and Mexico. You know, but it sounds like here, again, at least what we're seeing, again, that trend is still not there in terms of the supplies. And uh, we might get ourselves back to a little bit more of a, you know, supply concern type market. I do like the third and fourth quarter if we do start seeing those placements come back like that. And, and uh, you know, again, projections are for, you know, four to six percent under last year here for the October for the December uh, placement number. Uh, so if that's realized, that will bring some concern. I think you're seeing some covering going into that. You know, cash trade, retail values of front month fundamentals are not very strong today. And you know, we actually had a little bit better day going in those front end until we probably saw those retail values drop back under the 290 choice level today. You know, cash up down a dollar again, dollar seventy seemed to catch most business. 
So we need to see some stability there in the front end. So the cattle and feed number, again, gives us some placement or at least gives us those ideas where we're going to be, maybe give us some good value and show us that that third and fourth quarter, you know, could be undervalued again. And I think that's somewhere where we're seeing the most of the money flow going right now with the anticipation of those reports. And I think it's going to be interesting as well with the anticipation of those reports. And then you just you think about, you know, a lot of uh, traders want to try and get business done early this week. What could that do to the market? And then, you know, how thin could both cattle and hog trade get next week between Christmas and New Year's? One has to wonder what we could see there as well, John, and the impact that could have on the market. Yeah, again, very much so. When you get those thinly traded markets, there's just a lot of gaps in between prices and you know, the markets that are like lightly traded, such as a feeders, uh, you know, cattle and hogs, I've traded more heavily, but nothing like the core market is, you know, that opens us up for some pretty good volatility. You know, we go touch on that hog market quickly. December fall, fell off the books. February is now in charge, playing in a pretty big premium to the, to the cash index. And that cash index just does not want to get any footing. You know, so that makes me a little concerned that that nice little rally we had in the February hogs is now probably... You know, maybe hit its peak here. We ran into some pretty key moving average support today, kind of lost its gas up there. Uh, so it feels like we're back on a bit of a slippery slope in that hog market, especially since you got that index trading, you know, almost four bucks underneath, a little over four bucks underneath the February, and the cash trend is still lower. John, I see some red in uh, class three milk features on Monday, kind of mixed across the rest of the dairy parlor. Any notes over there for us? Yeah, I don't like those cheese prices today, breaking the pushing to the dollar 40 plus level today, you know, down to another four to six cents blocks, barrels or barrels or blocks respectively. That just opens those charts up. We were hoping maybe we could put a little double bottom in that January chart, you know, here with the last week of trade. And that just kind of got blown apart on Thursday and Friday and as well as today. So it feels like the slippery slope continues. Now we're searching for new lows. So, you know, can we get down to the 15 handle? Does that hold? That'll be our next kind of psychological number, but the products just continue to struggle here, especially with cheese trading a dollar forty-five for blocks and a dollar forty for barrels. Milk at fifteen sixty, you know, to me is still probably a little overpriced. And I'm definitely looking at some of those spring summer months in the seventeens and eighteens on the board going. There's still some pretty good value there in a market that's on a pretty big slippery slope. Well, John, it's going to be a few weeks before you and I get to talk again with the holidays coming up. So as we wrap up today's show, I'll, I'll kind of leave the floor open to you. What are some final thoughts? What are some things you want folks to remember here as we go through the next couple of weeks and roll that calendar into 2024? You know, obviously the biggest thing is look at value. Okay. Protect, you know, there's uh, some group or whatever you want to call them. People think that the markets are undervalued. Things need to go back higher. And, and realistically, at least in the corn markets or the grain markets, you know, between corn and wheat, you know, the supply, the demand, those things are not dictating that at this time frame unless we see some changes. You know, don't so don't fall asleep on 24. We're about $5 plus. I know last year we were talking $6 puts, and then we come up December at 460. You know, not saying that we're going to get December next year to 360, but I'll tell you, if carryout gets over 3 billion, the demand doesn't pick up, you know, that South American crop is better than we anticipate down there. Uh, you know, it's going to be a very difficult, you know, position for the U.S. producer to be in. And remember, markets are cyclical. You know, we had our cycle to the upside, and maybe now it's our cycle again about larger supplies and tough prices. So as a manager, you need to be on top of your game, know your numbers. 
and protect the value when you have it and hope you're wrong and the market's there to reward you. So still a lot of risk out there uh, given where we are in terms of the markets. You know, and just the old saying is markets should, they don't have to do anything uh, in terms of price. You know, the people in Chicago or the traders, they don't worry about what your profit levels are. They are going by what the money flow is and where the market is compared to the globe. John, great thoughts. If folks want to reach out to you with questions there at Total Farm Marketing, I know a lot of ways to get in touch with you. How can they reach you? Sure, love chat with them anytime. Give me a call, 800-334-9779 or, or shoot me an email at johnh at totalfarmmarketing.com. And don't forget that website of ours, totalfarmmarketing.com. John, thanks as always for uh, being a, a guest here on the show. Wish you and yours a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We will talk to you when the calendar rolls over to next year. Thanks so much. Sounds good. We'll see you in 2024. And we do appreciate it. John Heimberg there with Total Farm Marketing. That is going to do it for today's program. And thank you for joining us and making us part of your day as always. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks for listening to Market Talk. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Your harvest is your most important asset. It's like money in the bank, and you can get everything you need to store and protect it through one source, your FS Grain System Specialist. With any brand of grain system you choose, your specialist will oversee planning and construction to make sure it's done right. And you can count on FS for maintenance too. Contact your local FS company or visit fsgrainsystems.com. It's one more way FS is bringing you what's next.